This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and in studio, in for Archbishop Alexander Sample is our Auxiliary Bishop Peter Smith joining me today. And today we have an opportunity during our Lenten journey on this preparation for Easter to focus on healing signs and miracles. And so welcome back to the program, Bishop Smith. Greetings, Dina Marie. It's good to be with you and all your listeners, all those who are listening live and by various means of electronic, virtual, and social media. Blessings to all of you. It's great to be with you today. As we walk through this Lenten journey together, and as we learn about Jesus's public ministry, we certainly encounter Jesus healing, performing miracles, doing this wonderful signs of wonder that causes attention to him and his ministry and, and puts people on two different camps, some that join him and some that adamantly oppose him. Maybe you can share with us a little bit about the gospel readings as they unpack these different types of miracles that Jesus performs. Well, the gospels are full of signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders occur uh, when Jesus proclaims um, the gospel itself, the good news. And they accompany the good news. And we're reminded in the scriptures, Jesus himself says, that signs and wonders will accompany the proclamation of the gospel. And we see Jesus witnessing that and giving example of that in his own ministry and uh, proclamation with the people. Now, the the healings you see in the gospel, uh, there's no two that seem to be identical. And it's just fascinating because what you see is God breaking through into ordinary lived life, ordinary lived reality now and manifesting himself in his healing power in whatever way, shape, or form he does. So it's the supernatural breaking into the natural. And for us as Catholics, uh, most Catholics have no problems with miracles because we have it in the lives of the saints. It's just part of our heritage. There's some other things that we uh, may stretch our brains a little bit more, but miracles are something that's very real, and it's been there in the life and ministry of Jesus. And there's no set formula for it. It's fascinating. There's no, just when you think, okay, it, it's the faith of the person coming. Sometimes, other times, it's people just going about their daily business who happen to bump into Jesus, the woman at the well. She was just going about her daily business, encounters Jesus, and in the midst of this great, uh, in her case, deliverance and freedom comes from Jesus's interactions with her. So you see this again and again, and what what's also going on is, the signs and wonders give proof or power to the proclamation of the gospel. 
And you see this when Jesus forgives the man his sins and they all get upset. And he says, so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins, take up your mat and walk. So you have that coming in as well. So it gives proof in a sense to who he is and the Messiah. So Jesus is doing what the Messiah was expected to do. And this isn't um, healings, deliverances, all these miracles. These are all part of manifesting the Messiah. But it's very interesting, too, to see how people respond to them. Because some folks love it, love that and follow him around. But there's a question between are they, are they fans of Jesus, like the fans who go to the concert or go to see the star do his or her stuff, or are they followers where they don't go just to see this, but they are following the life of Jesus, and this is just one part of it. So you see that distinction going on. You see a whole lot of other distinctions as well. So like the Pharisees getting upset that he's healing on the Sabbath. So they're looking at it this way. But it's just, it's a, it's a complex and diverse field. But the key point is the proclamation of the gospel, the encounter with Jesus Christ, God breaks through, the supernatural breaks through into the natural and manifests itself in a way that cannot be explained away. Right. Having said that, there's miracles like we in the Catholic Church when we canonize saints. It has to be something miraculous that there is no other possible explanation. But there are numerous, numerous miracles that occur that are in combination with medical science and combination with these other things. They do have other explanations, but God can act in our lives, in our world in that way to help speed something up to make modify this god is at work all the time we just don't see it bishop smith when you talk a little bit about the different examples we read about in gospel accounts of jesus's healing and the response there's something about does a person's life change i mean jesus says go sin no more there's this invitation that now whether you've witnessed or you've received the miracle the healing the change now you have to live a different life. How do we approach that response to either witnessing a miracle or healing like we see in the gospel? And then that's an invitation. We need to let go of sin. It's, a, it's an invitation uh, or a challenge that's given to us, but it's not compelling in the sense that God respects our free will and does not override our free will or coerce us or dominate us. So it's a challenge and it's a call. So to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. You know, so there's a great example. So he's manifested, in this case, his, his uh, spiritual healing for what's happened. She's forgiven and now the call live differently. What we do with that is up to us. So people can receive these wonderful healings from God. And after a while, it's back to normal life. And others will take that. And then for them, this is transformational for their lives. So, but the challenge for the Lord, when he does that for us, he does it out of love for us. But there's a bigger picture of all of that that we don't see. So that's why in some cases, you pray for healing and nothing happens. Okay, what? or at least we don't think anything's happening now. 
What it means is nothing happens now that we can detect. There may be a whole lot going on that we don't see, but it's in that situation you see the Lord acting in a way um, in our lives that calls us more deeply to himself, but how we respond is up to us. So look at the, uh, the uh, 10 lepers. They approach Jesus and they ask for healing. Now the healing that they get, they get several levels of healing, the nine anyway, because this is a society where identity and life is based on the community. These are communitarian people. So these 10 men, had been cut off from everything that gave them life, that gave them hope, that gave them happiness. So they're outcasts. And you even have a Samaritan who's joined them. I mean, misery loves company. And they approach Jesus, uh, violating the norms of the day. And Jesus doesn't heal them directly. He doesn't say, you're healed. He says, go show yourself to the priests. That'll be enough. And as they turn and go, they're healed. So in this case, Jesus doesn't say leprosy be gone. Jesus prescribes them to do something. And as they do it, the leprosy, or it wasn't just leprosy, it was skin diseases, eczema, psoriasis, these things today, which we understand, they interpreted all that in one. But the healing that came wasn't just the skin disease going. The healing that came also involved, they are now reconciled. They can live with their wives and their families again. So you can understand the joy of these guys heading back. It's like, oh, my gosh, Jesus has just given me back my entire life. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that they were ungrateful. They were just overwhelmed with the occasion. But you have the one who comes back, the Samaritan, and uh, Jesus gives him something else, salvation. So it's, it's all how, how these things happen in our lives and how do we how do we live our lives subsequently to that? Many of us will never live our lives exactly the same way again because I was this way. God did this profound thing in my life. And I have incontrovertible proof that God exists, that God loves me, that God cares for me, and he did this for me. You know, So others, that should have just become something that was a nice blessing that happen in the background and they go on with their lives. One would hope that they would live a better life than before. But it's one of those things where God in his mercy gives us that freedom as to how we are to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting when you look at them all, the, the, the complexity of Jesus's actions in the, in the gospels and the human response to those actions. You get people who are healed with no faith, centurion servant, no faith. You know, the little girl who was dead and the, the official came, they didn't express any faith. The people around them expressed faith. And so Jesus works back that way. Then you have the blind men and the pleading, have mercy, you know, son of David, have pity on us. So it's just, it, it's fascinating. It just, it's just a reminder to us, just when we think we've got God sliced, diced, and organized in a box, uh-uh. God is infinite. He acts beyond that. 
And he does act beyond that. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith on Voice of the Shepherd today on healing, miracles, and signs. And we read in the gospel, Bishop, that, you know, as, as the apostles, these men are coming around and Jesus is calling them to follow him. Then he goes and gives them the gifts to go and do what he's been doing, to proclaim the gospel and also to, to be able to heal. So now these men fishermen, tax collectors, all of the, all of this band of brothers are now able to do what Jesus has been doing in a certain way. What are we to make of this gift that Jesus gives these apostles to go out and to heal? He doesn't just give it to the apostles. He gives it to all believers. That's what happens at Pentecost. So you have the apostles and disciples walking with Jesus, and then they see Jesus doing all these things. And so it's like learning to ride a bicycle. Okay, guys, we're going to take the training wheels off and we're going to send you out for the first ride. And so you see in the Gospels, they're differing accounts, but he sends out the 12 and then also the 72. And they come back rejoicing because the same things happened when they prayed with people and did what Jesus said as when Jesus said and did those things. So they're rejoicing. So for them, it's it's a mind-boggling thing. It's the, the power that they see in Jesus is now being extended to them. You see that in the Old Testament as well. Moses chooses the 70, the Spirit of God comes upon them, and then it comes upon two in the camp. And the others, it's, it's very human. Hey, wait, why are those guys getting the special th thing that we're getting? And Moses says, I wish all the people were that way. And that's what happens at Pentecost. So you see Jesus sharing this with the apostles and disciples. And in a particular way with the apostles, he gives a, a particular set of, in addition to that, a particular set of responsibilities, uh, powers, however you want to look to the apostles. But when Pentecost comes, that same Holy Spirit comes upon all the apostles and disciples and goes out. And that's the, the in a sense, Jesus uh, transfers or gives the power that he had, the Holy Spirit, to the apostles and disciples so that we, who are the successors of those apostles and disciples, can continue that the, the life that Jesus calls us to, the work and ministry that Jesus calls us to, and that the way we are called to serve as Jesus serves and be his witnesses. Because we can't do that on our own strength alone. None of us can. I mean, Mother Teresa couldn't. John Paul couldn't. None of us can. But God gives us, through the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the ability to do that to the degree that we allow that to happen in our lives. You, know, you can, God can give you the gift, but for us, it's like when we get a gift, what do we do? We have to receive it. We have to open it up. We have to unpackage it. And, you know, if it's something that is, say it's a sweater, we have to start wearing it and making it part of our lives. And the same thing's true with the gift of the Holy Spirit and God's grace. God gives us these gifts, offers them to us, whether we take them, what we do with them after we receive them. That's all up to us. So you can receive those gifts and sort of plant them on the shelf and just leave them there. Or you can begin to start making them part of your life. And that's what we are called to by virtue of our baptism and our life of faith, to receive those gifts. And in our own way, however God calls us, and wherever God places us to live that way in our lives. And that's, in a sense, that's the secret weapon of the church. 
is that all believers are given these gifts by the Lord. And that's how we become the witnesses of Jesus. And that's how you start to see in, in the world the same things in Jesus's day. It's very interesting. You take, take the Gospels on the one hand and take the Acts of the Apostles. And if you look at them, you see this is how the Holy Spirit is working in the life of Jesus. This is what Jesus does. Now, after Pentecost, you look at the apostles and disciples. And by virtue of the Holy Spirit, they're doing the same kinds of things and experiencing the same kind of reactions as Jesus did. You know, so for us as Catholics, healings and these kinds of things, yes, they excite us when we see them. They're wonderful. But on another hand, that's a normal part of living a life of faith on fire for the Lord. But we shouldn't be as amazed and overwhelmed and stunned. On one level, we should be, because God has acted in our world and loves us and cares for us, and he's manifesting himself. But on another level, it's like, but this is how it's meant to be. We see in the Gospels, Bishop Smith, the apostles come back kind of discouraged. Hey, we didn't get to heal this and that and the other. There were certain instances I think particularly with demons or, or some type of a possession, but they were wondering, well, how come we couldn't do everything that you did, Jesus? And so you mentioned prayer, and I, and I wonder how much and how important that prayer and really be grounded impacts how the Lord's working in these situations. Yeah, I, uh, let's see. I'd be, I don't want to make a cause and effect approach here because then you get if I pray more, I get more. Right, right. It's not how God works. Uh, on one hand, I wish it was, but, you know, that's, I, that's a control issue on our part. God blesses who he does. And sometimes you wonder, why this one rather than over there? But that's, God sees the full picture. We don't. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, in, in some of these situations, it's, you have to pray and discern. So how am I going to react? How am I going to respond when I'm faced with this? And it's not just, okay, I'm going to do my stuff because I know how to do this according to the gospel. There's an element of discernment that goes into this. And that's why you look at some of the spiritual gifts of, of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, understanding. And you have to have those to know what's going to happen in this case. We recently had the encounter ministry teams in the diocese. You know, one of the things they emphasize in their ministry, which I've found in healing ministry over the years, over many, many years, is you always try and deal with, are there areas of unforgiveness in people's lives? That's just one example. So if you get a sense from the Lord with this person, there are areas of unforgiveness. That may be a huge block to what's there. And so it's praying in the sense that, yes, you pray for people, and then, but it's also a case of, okay, so we're praying for people, but we're also seeking, asking the Lord how we should act or pray in this case. You know, it's not a formulaic thing where we just run in and lay hands on everybody and do this because we know this is going to work. It may, it may not. But you see Jesus, when he heals people, he engages with them often. He does different things in different situations. Some people, he just heals their sight. One guy, he rubs the dirt on his eyes and the guy gets healed. So God adapts what he does to who we are, where we are, and the situation we find ourselves. And sometimes it's immediate and sometimes it's over time. 
Sometimes it has other things. I have a friend uh, who's still alive. He was uh, probably about 15 plus years ago and was diagnosed with Choke-Strauss syndrome, which is a, a very rare autoimmune disease. And basically what it does is it shuts down all your organs and you die. And there's, you can slow it down if you get it really early, but it's very difficult to diagnose really early. And so, you know, he, he ended up in hospital um, and they basically told his wife, this is it, you know, there's just nothing we can do. And he said up to that point, he'd been prayed with around a thousand times by different people. And he knew people were praying for him. And he said, as he's lying there in the hospital room, knowing he's going to die, um, a good friend of his, a Catholic priest came in and anointed him and prayed with him. And he said he felt this great weight lift off his shoulders. And he barely left. And an African-American nurse's orderly put her head in the room and said, are you so-and-so? And he said, yes. She came in very nervously and she said, now, I'm a Christian. I pray for all the people here. And I was praying for you. And God told me that he's going to heal you, but not right away. <laughs> so it, what happened was he stabilized and then he was released from the hospital. And then against doctor's orders, he went on a retreat with about 10 guys. And at the beginning of that retreat, they gathered around him, laid hands on him, prayed with him for about 10 minutes. And by the end of that retreat, his body is back to normal. So here he is, a 50-something-year-old man, and the doctors looking at him afterwards say, you've got the lungs of a 20-year-old marathon runner. That's where, that's where, that was the leading edge of where he was dying. His lungs were, were scarred beyond belief. And so he, the doctor told him, you were going to be the exhibit that I would use when I give lectures about how this disease progresses and takes somebody's life. The doctor couldn't get himself to say God did this. He just said the big power. But you know what? We'll take that. We'll take that. It's an acknowledgement that something miraculous happened here. Is this a wonderful healing? And then he's had plenty of other health issues since then. Uh, and some of those the Lord's healed. Some the Lord has not healed. Some the Lord's taken care of through surgery. And another thing that's happened is now when he prays with others, they often get healed. Because he, because of his own suffering and all he's went through, he says when he prays with others, usually he gets this incredible sense of compassion for the people that he's praying with. And he says often when that happens, God does something. You see this in the scriptures too. You know, it says Jesus was moved with the, the literal translation from the depths of his bowels because the Jewish people believed that was the the sort of locus of the emotions in one's life. But Jesus is deeply moved with compassion. And then he reacts and he prays with people. Then healings happen, deliverances happen, miracles happen. It's just amazing. Bishop Smith, we just have a couple more minutes. And since we are into this Lenten season and this, this time of really reflecting on the passion of Jesus Christ, following him on the road to Calvary, but you mentioned unforgiveness. And I think about all of us who may be holding on to anger, grief, blame, resentment, you know, those, those emotions and that really 
can block the possibility of healing, you know, just some suggestions you may have for those listening or those that we're praying for that are in a state of unforgiveness. So they're holding on to some type of a grudge and just really causing anxiety in themselves. This is a whole nother program, Dina Marie, but I'll just summarize it briefly. What unforgiveness does is it takes us hostage. Something's happened, something's been said, something's been done, and it's hurt us deeply. And we hold on to that. And we may not be aware that we hold on to it, but this is the hurt doesn't let us let it go. And for some reason, as humans, it's it doesn't whitewash the fact that the person who did it to you is now okay. It may have been an awful thing. It may have been a terrible thing. It doesn't mean that they're good or whatever. It just means that by God's grace, I am not going to let this take me hostage because oftentimes the people that have done this have moved on with their lives and don't, or don't care. But I'm the one who reinflicts the pain on myself. Now it's not a light switch effect because these things, when this happens to us, often is very deep within us. And we wish it was a light switch effect. I wish it was a light switch effect. If that happens to you, or and when you forgive somebody, get down on your knees and thank God with everything you've got, because it's an incredible blessing. But you start mentally. It's like, it's okay to say, Lord, I forgive so-and-so, even though I'd like to throttle them or punch them or whatever. But you make that act, and at some point, the freedom comes, and then you can move on with your life. And it becomes something that's happened. It's part of your history, but you look at it with sadness and sorrow. And that, But you're free to start living your life. And you're also free, freer to receive God's grace. You know, the Our Father, we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, so that's we're telling the Lord this something we should stop and think about sometime. And it's okay to say, Lord, I don't have the, I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't want to forgive them, but I know this is what you ask me to do. So I'm forgiving them, set me free and you take care of them and what needs to happen in their lives. Yeah, we definitely cannot do it alone. It is Jesus. I trust in you and we have to rely on God's grace. (laughs) Absolutely. Bishop Smith, thank you so much. And I think we will have a couple more programs that we'll need to have you come back and talk more about healing miracles and signs. I appreciate your time with us today on Voice of the Shepherd. And I'd like to ask for your blessing over our listeners, please. Oh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd, along with Bishop Peter Smith. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. I'm Dina Marie Hale, and until our next encounter, may you have a blessed Lenten journey. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. 
Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.